Well, welcome. I was given more information about the contest. Um, the way this would best work, we think things through really well here. Oh, um, the way it'll best work is, uh, kids, when you take your money to buy the stuff, when you come in, you just bring it up and set it up here. The adults, because we don't like walking to the front, we're afraid someone might take us and make us repent, we're going to take a wagon and we'll, ta- we'll gather it up. Well, kids, you bring your stuff up here first thing, adults will use the wagon. Is that good? All right. Welcome to church, huh? Uh, you know, it's funny. Is church is such a, uh, an odd word. It's a loaded word. Because for some of us, church is something of, of, of nostalgia. It's something you did growing up. You loved it growing up. You went to church. Your parents went to church. Now you go to church, and you go to church whenever you can. Church, 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 church. And you just love it. You can say it as many times as you want without it bothering you. The word church. But for some of you... Church is a word that is, uh, is loaded with negative meaning. Like when, when you think of church, you think of something that's broken. You think of something that's hypocritical. You think of something that's judgmental. When you think of church, you might even think about stuff that's racist, stuff that's elitist. See, church, for everybody, not for everybody doesn't all have the same meaning. That's why it's a loaded word. It's loaded with meanings, and some of those meanings can, can, can be detrimental, can be hurtful. So when you think of church, what do you think of? If you're like me, it's, it's a mix. Because there's memories I have of church that are very fond and very... Um, Good, and I've had, and I work for and with a church, and have done so for my whole adult life. But there's also some things um, I've also been fired from a church. That wasn't pleasant. And when you're fired from a church, you're fired from the town. You've got to move. So, I mean, that's a big deal. And so I've got this mixed bag of emotions when you say the word church. And some of you, it's all negative. Some of you, and and you may only be here because your friend begged you to come. The preacher said, we're going to talk about church and maybe you'd like it. And your friend begged you to come and you came and we're thankful for you today. But when you think of church, it may be nothing but negative. Well, that church just ran us off. That church won't have anything to do with us, so now where do we go? I want you to know that if you are the type of person that looks at church and thinks, that place is not okay. That place is not okay. Those Christians just, they think they've got it all together, but they don't have it all together. If you're that kind of person, you are in good company. I think here, I think we might share that sentiment too. Because we, we understand as a church that we do not have it all together. 
One thing I say a lot about parenting is your kids at some point are going to figure out that you don't know everything. And when they do, don't make it so that they think they're the first one in the house learning it. So apologize to your children when you need to apologize to your children. Admit when you're wrong to your kids when you need to admit to your wrong, admit you're wrong to your kids. It's good for them to hear that. And for us as a church, as a group of people um, looking at the world, a world that looks at us and says, man, y'all are just a mess. I think our best response is not to get defensive, but to say, yes, you are correct. We are a mess. Because if you're one of the people that look at the church and say, it's just absolutely flat a mess, you are, not in, good, you are in very good company because you are in, with this church who I think recognizes that it's a mess sometimes. You know, other than our flawless um, execution of contests. <laughs> We're all just trying to keep up with John. We... We're, we're a mess. But you're also in good company because some of the greatest people throughout history have been the people who've looked at church or looked at the religious establishment of the day and said what's going on is not okay. Martin Luther King Jr., Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Joan of Arc, if you want to include her. They, they looked at the religious institution and they said, that is not Okay. They think of religion and they think of, uh, uh, we think of uh, the Inquisitions and we think of the Crusades and we think of even people like Adolf Hitler using biblical texts to m- murder untold numbers of people. I say only untold because I don't know the number. It's an amazing amount of, of, of ho- ho- uh, atrocities have been done in the name of religion and if you look at that stuff and you say that's not good you're right actually go into the old testament and find me a prophet who goes into the church and says yeah yeah this is all pretty good carry on then and prophets are british apparently go on no Every single one of the prophets, read Isaiah, read Jeremiah. If you don't have time, read Malachi. They walk in and they say, what's happening here is not okay. The religious institution, or maybe the church, it's not okay. And anytime we get to the point where we start saying, well, we've got it all together, we have completely missed the point. The church should be a group of people who are constantly striving, constantly seeking, constantly serving. But whenever we get to the point where we're just, we're happy, we need revolution. We need to change. Jesus. was one of the least happy people in history with the religious institution of his day. He flipped tables. He made whips. 
He challenged them, called the religious leaders vipers, said woe to them a lot, which isn't a big deal now, but is a big deal back then. Called them liars and thieves. Said he said he once told the religious group, uh, the the religious leaders of the day, the leaders of the religious institution. He said he said you brood of vipers. You will travel across land and sea to earn a single convert, but you will make them twice the son of hell that you are. Stings, doesn't it? I don't think Jesus comes into any of our churches and says, yes, good, carry on then. I don't think Jesus comes into any of our families, any of our lives, and says, this is all perfect, man. You should just make the whole world start looking like you. There is and always will be something wrong with church. Something wrong with a church, something wrong with the church, whatever little... Um, article you want to put in front of it. There's something wrong with it. And I think in one story, in one conversation Jesus has in the scripture, he points out both what's wrong with the church and simultaneously what can be beautiful and fantastic if we just use it. What can be beautiful and fantastic about the church if we would just wrap our minds around the one thing that he's calling us to do. I think one conversation, Jesus answers the question, what is church? And then he also answers the question, what can go wrong with church? It's in Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 13. The story is also told in Mark uh, chapter 8, I believe. He says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, when he says Son of Man, he's talking about himself. They replied, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So the word was going around that Jesus was something fantastic and people didn't know what it was. And some, Well, you, John the Baptist, come back, it's like the ghost of John the Baptist. Or maybe he's one of the prophets, or maybe he's Elijah. And then Jesus says, ask a very important question. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. This is kind of a weird passage for us. Um, When Jesus meets Simon, who he then says, I'm going to call you Peter, uh, he just uses the Hebrew, kepha, or the Greek, um, petra, or petros, Um, for rock. He gives him a nickname. Most scholars believe that Peter was a pretty big guy. Um, And and so he says, hey, I'm going to call you... It's essentially him saying, I'm going to call you Rocky. It's Actually, Rocky is a better translation than Peter, if we want to translate it. But I'm not going to start that. (laughs) Don't worry. 
I want to, but I'm not, because I love you. So, he's, but so he essentially here says, you are rocky, and on this rock I'm going to, he's play, doing a play on words here. Uh, it's, it's nothing fantastic about it. He's just pl- making a play on words. You are rocky, you are Peter, and on this rock, you are Petros, and on this Petra, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of Hades, or another way of, that's just a way of saying, a very Jewish way of saying, and death will not overcome the church. He says, it's on this foundation that I will build my church. I would argue that church, when it's purely the church, purely the church of Jesus, church is a group of people who all answer the one question the same way. Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus? If our answer is, he's the resurrected king, he's the Messiah, anything like that, then that's what the church is built on. That's the foundation of the church. Too often, our churches have not been built on Jesus, but they have been built on ourselves. Now, we will say something like this. We'll say, well, we've got to be biblical. Okay. I, I, can, I can bring you six books on Genesis. I can bring you six books on Mark, Matthew. Pick a book of the Bible, I'll bring you six books on them. All six books will say something different about the text that they are covering. And these aren't people that are just, uh, that are just well, you know, today uh, I was going to just sit in my lawn chair, but now I think I'll write a book on Mark. There are people that, are, that have spent their lives devoted to the context, the, the ancient languages, the, um, the, the, the ancient literary forms. These are extremely intelligent people that if they were in the room with us could convince us all that they know what they're talking about. They could talk way over every single one of our heads. And they all disagree. In, let's just say this. Interpreting the Bible is hard. really hard it takes hard work your gut instinct won't do it just won't so oftentimes we build church on we will say we're building the church on the bible but what we're actually doing is building the church on our perspectives and our understandings of the bible which is a great start but when we don't acknowledge that it's our own brain that's influencing our tradition. We're heading down a very dangerous path. Church is a group of people, it's simply a group of people who have acknowledged that Jesus is Messiah. That's what church is. A group of people who have acknowledged 
that Jesus is Messiah. And when we meet together every Sunday, if we are, if our main goal is not to continually and to repetitively acknowledge the kingship and the messiahship and the resurrection of Jesus, if that's not our goal, if our goal instead is to, is to uplift ourselves, uplift our own traditions, and uplift our own perspectives instead of uplift Jesus, then we will do damage instead of good every time. Because Jesus said it is on this rock, it is on this foundation that I will build my church. And if you want a church that death cannot overcome, If you want a church that death cannot overcome, it must be on, built on the foundation that Jesus is the Messiah. That there is a throne in heaven and Jesus sits on it, not me. See what happens next. He goes on to say, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is a very Jewish way of saying, you'll be in charge. I'm giving you the church. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to trust you with it. I would argue, if Jesus were with me, Jesus, I think this is a bad idea. But he trusts us. He has entrusted us. We must take that seriously. From this point on. Uh, there you go. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised. He says to his disciples, it is going to be like this from here on out. Uh, they're going to take me in. They're going to question me. They're going to crucify me. And then they're going to bury me. And three days later, I'm going to get up out of the grave. Peter, the same guy who just said, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus said, you are Peter. And it's on your confession, on this sort of confession, that I'm going to build my church. The same guy says, no. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus says, turned to him and said, Peter, or turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Okay, how do you go from the rock on which Jesus is going to build his church to Satan that fast? Well, you got to be human, actually. That's the first step. Uh, what happened here is, uh, is a misunderstanding. Je Peter says that Jesus is the Messiah. But when, when Peter uh, thinks Messiah, he is thinking something different than what we think. Uh, in that day, if, if you said Messiah, what you meant was, uh, a guy who's going to come and m use a military uprising to conquer the Romans and get them out of the promised land. And then th therefore, then we would all have it um, together. Like we would, we would, the Israelites would have their land back and we wouldn't be double taxed by, um, 
the Jews. I mean, by the Romans. So, that was the hope. Let's just get our land back. Let's get a king on the throne. And Jesus is going to be this king. And he is going to be an awesome king. Because I've seen him turn just a few pieces of bread into a lot more bread. Is that me? I just don't want the distracted among us. There we go. All right. Um, I, I, I've seen him. I've seen him walk up to people who couldn't walk and pick them up, and they started running. I've seen him uh, heal people who are near death. I've seen him resurrect people. Got up from the Lazarus. Got up from the tomb. He's going to be the best king for an uprising. We won't need anything but Jesus. And Jesus is saying, the Messiah, this whole thing is going to work out differently than you think it's going to work out. He says, here's what it's going to look like. I'm going to die. And I'm not just going to conquer the Romans. I'm going to conquer death. And Peter says, no, 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 Jesus. That's not how I envisioned this happening. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Satan's just a Hebrew word for, um, for adversary or enemy or opponent. Get behind me. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human or man-made concerns. See, a church will thrive, and the church, churches do thrive when they base their core, when they on their when they base their foundation on the Messiah, on Jesus. When Jesus is the answer to everything we do, how do you worship? We worship Jesus. How do you pray? We pray in Jesus' name. What do you preach? We preach Jesus. Why do you serve? We serve because Jesus served. Let us point to Jesus and that will answer any questions you throw our way. Oftentimes, people come to church and they say, what? How should we worship? Our answer is like us. How should we pray? Our answer is, well, you should pray like us. How should we do organized church? Well, like us. How do you get set? Like I did. Too often, the church points to itself instead of pointing to Jesus. One of my favorite quotes is from a friend of mine who says, if we preach Jesus, we build a church. But if we preach the church, we build denomination." Oftentimes, we get so caught up in preaching ourselves and the message just doesn't hold up. I've said this before, but do you know why we're hypocrites? It's not because we sin. Everybody sins. The reason a hypocrite is a hypocrite is because a hypocrite claims more about themselves than they should. It's about what we claim about ourselves. So if we're preaching ourselves, we're going to be hypocrites. We're going to be broken. We're preaching Jesus, it will never fail. There have been so many people, uh, Mahatma Gandhi said in um, the, when he was going through his thing, uh, when he, in India, uh, Mahatma Gandhi's a, um, an Indian political leader, 
and he was also a Hindu, he says, I love your Christ. I don't like your Christians. They are so unlike your Christ. There's a lot of people who feel that way about us, and it's because we deserve it. And it's not because we're not perfect. I'm not calling us to be perfect. I'm calling us to point to something other than ourselves. Point to a resurrected Savior, and that will build a church. Point to the resurrected King, and that will build a church. Point to yourselves, and you are just going to become what we call in um, the technical term is theological navel-gazers. A bunch of people who are content to stare at their own belly button. Yeah. I would have used the Latin phrase for it, but y'all wouldn't have understood it. There's, there, we, we, get real, we can get real content being really happy with ourselves. Even those of us who may have moved out of a tradition that was real legalistic and... and, and and um, staunch about some things that we don't think matter all that much. We can get really happy saying, well, we're not the sort of people who are legalistic and staunch about it. We can get really happy with ourselves. The church's job is not to get happy with itself. The church's job is to be happy with Jesus. The church's job is to point to the resurrected Savior. It's only on that foundation that we can build a church. It's only on that foundation that we can claim salvation. It's only on that foundation that we can say we're a group of people that have any sort of purpose whatsoever. Pointing to the resurrected Savior is the only thing that can save the church. It's the only thing. We are called to live out our claim as a group. And so what we do here on Sunday morning should affect our, our whole week. Listen, if, if you've been hurt by a church, and it's been one of those things where you said, I'm out, I'm not going to do that again. I, w- I want you to know that we understand what that feels like. There's a lot of people here who know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. And, and I'm not calling you back to church. But I am arguing that church, this community, is the only way we can experience Jesus in his fullest. Only way we can experience spirit in its fullest is as a group. The Bible was not written to a person. It was written to groups. To the church in Rome. To the seven churches in, in Asia Minor. To Ephesus. It was written to groups. You know that verse that says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? It should be translated... Work out y'all's own salvation. That you is plural. Work out y'all's own salvation together. It is a community of people who are pointing to Jesus. Eugene Peterson, I think, says it best. 
church is when the Holy Spirit places a colony of heaven in a country of hell. We are called to claim the Messiah, claim Jesus as the Messiah, publicly in a very broken world. And so, to those of you who look at the church and say, oh, it's not perfect, I, I, I don't want to change your mind, but I, I do, I do want to say we need you. We need you with us. We need people who are regularly noticing that the church doesn't quite line up with Jesus. We need those people. It's been my experience that those people make pretty good preachers. We need you. We need you to call us out when we get content. We need you to keep us honest when we're focused on ourselves. And we need you to help us to point to Jesus when we're only pointing to our church. We need you to help us point to Christ when we're only pointing to the church of Christ. We don't want to be a church of Christ. We want to be a church that is based and founded upon Jesus as the Messiah. Let's live that out as a community, as a group. Let's just let it change our week this week. If you want to join this movement, If you want to come forward and say, yes, I will be a rebel in your midst. We need rebels in our midst. We need people who aren't happy with the way the church is to be a part of our church. Because we don't ever want to get stuck. We don't ever want to get stuck thinking way too much of ourselves and not enough of Jesus. If you need anything this morning, prayers, if you want to connect with Jesus and unite with him through baptism, if you want to start your journey today, we will, we will celebrate the beginning of your journey. If you want to join a church that knows it's not perfect, um, but knows that Jesus is, I think this is that church. I love this church. I love this church not because it's perfect, but because it's aware of its imperfection. If you want to join that church, then by all means, today's the day. But please respond today as we stand and sing. Oh Lord, my-